It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the cappuccino with Constable Brian. Okay, so my guest today for uh, the Safer Internet Day 2022 is Andrew Cowie. Andrew is the NetSafe Nest Manager, which is NetSafe in Schools Education Safety. Did I get that right so far, uh, Andrew? NetSafe Education Schools Team Manager. Perfect. That's yep. why you're here, yep. Uh, worked <laughs> in a variety of schools and educational organisations during his two decades in the sector. He's been a Deputy Principal for five years. He's uh, been worked for the New Zealand National Library, of which Brian and Bobby's in. I don't know if you ever knew that, Andrew, oh, but did. they are. Uh, Core Education and the Peace Foundation. Uh, NetSafe was set up in 1998 to help New Zealand internet users stay safe online. And then in 2000, uh, New Zealand Police, the Ministry of Ed, uh, and several non-for-profits as well as some of the uh, bigger tech companies all teamed up in 2000 and created a non-for-profit organisation called, drumroll please, the Internet Safety Group, which rebranded to NetSafe in 2008. Uh, Andrew and I also have a special bond because he's uh, from a place in the world that I absolutely adore called Calgary and he is one of New Zealand's four Calgary fame fans that I actually know so yeah, well well played Mr Cowie to you. Okay so round which uh, based on the world's greatest police movie uh, Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in it um, and if it isn't you weren't in the cinemas in 1994 where we were all gripping the seats uh, hoping <laughs> that the bus would stop. Yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah. right so yeah. So, what song describes... Actually, what song would you have if you could only have one song for the rest of your life? The High Road by Broken Bells. There you go. Uh, Favourite food? Pasta. Ever asked somebody for an autograph, and if so, who was it? Yes, I did. Richard Attenborough, and that was in Belfast. Yeah. Uh, where did you meet him? I met him on a movie set uh, that my wife's uncle had was directing called Pacoon. He was playing a character. Uh, it was a story about North and South Ireland. There you go, because uh, normally he directs. So, yeah, yeah, no, he it was a very niche role for him, but uh, yeah, I ended up having Chinese food with him there in you Belfast. Go. Stranger, stranger things have happened. Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> the best piece of advice that you've ever received? So, Tom Clancy, no fear, no envy, no meanness. And it's advice that he, Tom Clancy, you know, from the Irish, you know, the Irish yeah. supergroup. But, you know, he talked about that being, you know, that, that you go through life and you do your very best. You're not and you're fearless, but you don't you don't step on anybody while you do it. I once heard uh, Sting talking to Stephen Colbert and Stephen Colbert said, what's one thing in your life that you could do without? And he said, fear. Yeah, that's quite a good answer. Yeah, uh, the best way to spend your day off on your own by yourself, no kids, um, no household chores, just you and the house empty. What are you doing apart from watching ice hockey? <laughs> Play music or listening to music? Oh, good. Uh, what did you want to be when you were six years old? I wanted to work with people, so either as a doctor or as a counselor or a psychologist. Almost there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and your favorite computer game as a child was what? It was uh, advanced. It was uh, Dungeons and Dragons on the Intellivision. And did you actually play the Dungeons and Dragons game at the same time? Well, I remember sliding the Dungeons and Dragons card into the holder uh, on my aunt's television set, which popped and crackled and looked like it was going to catch fire any second. And you just you had a disc that you moved around with your thumbs, uh, and for whatever reason, I found it incredibly uh, engaging. And um, 
by today's standards, the children would would, would balk within seconds. But, and like <laughs> but I, it was pretty engaging. Yeah, like I always say, uh, disclaimer and shout out to the makers of Stranger Things for making <laughs> Andrew and I's childhood seem very romantic now to children of today because of Isn't the Dungeons true? and Dragons. Isn't that true? They captured it well, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. Yeah. So, awesome. So when you go to most of the schools, Andrew, what are they after and the parents, what information are the parents after? Because as we spoke, when I spoke with Laurie McCann, um, lots of parents are after that silver bullet and to be fair it doesn't matter how safe you keep people there's always going to be something happen so what's the the magic formula that most parents are after they they just want to they want to limit access they really want to limit access to to their young people and that was easier to do when when uh, when being on the internet or online had a much more of a distinct beginning and end point managed at school now of course kids are in and out of lockdowns home learning etc so they're online it's almost like just this sort of utility uh this trough <laughs> this, data, this data trough it's yeah. just there and it's just it's available all the time and and all their learning and their leisure and everything else is all mixed together and that's again can be really exciting and alluring but unfortunately it means that there's also uh, exposure to unwanted contact mm-hmm. there's exposure to online bullying there's ex- exposure to pornography uh so those would be the top three topics that I would say are the most uh, top of mind for most schools, whether we visit a primary school or secondary school, it's usually those three. They want to limit the access and exposure to unwanted contact, bullying, and pornography. Those typically are the most common ones. Is that a good thing? Because as as we've both discussed, we're both music lovers, and we both know the the way to get kids to listen to music is to ban it uh, straight away. You're almost guaranteed a number one single. So, so if you go down that track of hey, you know, I'm going to filter all of the stuff that my kids watching or filter all of the stuff that my kids doing on the internet, does that then create that um, apple syndrome, that sort of Adam and Eve apple syndrome, and I'm going to reach out mm-hmm. and grab the apple instead, or is it better to um, discuss with your kids what they're actually seeing and what they're doing? Well, that's. That's a really good point. It's, uh, yeah, you create the forbidden fruit uh, um, issue right away when you start banning things. Now, you do have to restrict things. You do have to provide some guardrails. But understanding the landscape that they're living in, knowing that it's really, this is the, you know, this is a neighborhood that that you will go down, you will live in sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we all live in different places around the world, in cities where there are neighborhood streets that are unsavory and need to be understood with caution and, and respect. And I think the internet is no different. It's just that it's far more vast. It's not that we can put up cordons and block it off and say, don't go there because yep. the allure is too strong mm-hmm. for young people. And even if you manage to get your child to abstain that way and resist, their friends, their peer groups will bring them in very easily. So that's just not realistic. It's much better to listen uh, with curiosity and talk about, you know, when we are in the world, the physical world, we have certain rules and we have regulations and we have things that we do, social norms that we all follow. We just have to try to apply that to the internet. And it doesn't work all the time, but talking about the internet in that way, I found has been much more constructive. Not wrong. What do you think it is that we always think of kids when it comes to internet safety. Like I've spoken to a lot of my workmates, and oh, it'd be great if I knew this or I knew that and everything else. But look, let's be honest, there are literally hundreds of thousands of um, adults getting scammed on the internet yeah. every single day. And the same with the websites. Do you think it's just that thing of we focus on our most vulnerable to keep them safe and adults? I'm not saying it's a sort of you're on your own, you should know better because you shouldn't. Um, mm. The internet is, like you've said, it's a weird and wonderful place. Um, but why do you think there's such a key focus on kids and children on the internet? 
Well, I think we just like like everything. We want them to get into have good habits, you know, good digital habits. Now, the difference, of course, is that adults who didn't grow up with the technology and the connectivity are be are sometimes more at risk for certain things online, like scams, than our young people. Some of our kids are like, you know, my two sons who grown up. You know, they they were uh, they were at uh, in primary school when the iPad was all the rage, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then I think as they get into these digital communities, they start to learn that there are people who are going to try to pretend that there's somebody else going to try to do you harm or, or just be time wasters you know it's not mm-hmm. even always have to be bullying it's just about people that are there to kick the tires and to to kick up dust and make and make trouble um so i think the adults in some ways adults are are just vulnerable in different ways i think with young people we're just trying to create the we're trying to draw a line between the values that we hold at school in our home in our communities whatever to how we behave online because when we anonymize people online uh, that creates sometimes it creates uh, a little bit of distance between what you would morally do and what you wouldn't mm-hmm. and I think that that's been our whole game is to try to try to get young people to see that what they do online does matter yep yeah I completely get yep. it yeah um, there is so much information about the internet um, and safety and internet safety and what you should do as a parent what you should do as an adult and everything else um, do you think there's too much information? I mean, we're lucky because in New Zealand we have sort of NetSafe as a, a central hub and away you go. But I look at other countries and I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I look at one website and it gives me one piece of advice. I look at another and it gives me another and it's like, oh, it's conflicting. I can see how easily uh, a non-tech savvy parent would get confused. Do you think there's just way too much information about the internet or do you think... It's something that we should be encouraging so that we get differing views and, hey, this app's probably not the best for your parent or somebody else popping up and saying, well, it's not, it's a bad app, you just need to do this on the settings, that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, well, look, I think, you know, I think about the the, uh, the, the Swiss cheese analogy that they've used with COVID, you know, yep. you've got multiple layers of online safety. Um, that's how we look at this, that you were never going to get, as you said, you're never going to get the silver bullet. No. Um the Pandora's box has been opened. It's all about, okay, here are several things you can do to reduce the risk. It's not about preventing it. It's not about just like completely living, uh, you know, a life that, that is completely untouched by the, the evils of the internet. It's going to happen at some point. Yep. So I, I, I think what, what most communities need to do, and we're doing this at NetSafe, is continue to evolve, continue to work alongside young people in particular to make sure people like the YAS, the NetSafe's Youth Action Squad, that you are allowing young people to to put forward their voice and lead a lot of that messaging instead of another adult at the front of the assembly mm-hmm. reading rules mm-hmm. i think that yeah. that that's been i think an achilles heel and that we've traditionally done that we just provide more rules and that's just not going to work anymore this is a really great opportunity to to uh, uh enable and empower young people to to actually take a little bit more of that voice and guide each other, coach coach each other through the harms of the internet. And through the process, they find their people on the internet who are like-minded and who actually lift them up. So yeah. it's it's all of that. We can't have one without the other. We can't have it all good, and we also shouldn't be fear-mongering and say it's all bad either. So I think it's just moving along with that tide and trying to, trying to make sure that we're continuing the conversation. And I don't think anybody's got it right. At the moment, NetSafe is still very much dealing with, you know, we're the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. There are people who are still hurtling over the cliff day after day yeah. in huge numbers. We're trying to get into the schools. We're trying to get into communities much like what you're doing. Uh-huh. Prevention, education, conversation. Uh, 
we're still we're shifting that it's going to still it's going to take some time but that's what i think all communities need to do yeah and any discussion as far as i'm concerned is a good discussion because it means that you're uh, promoting discussion it means that people aren't disappearing down rabbit holes and they don't feel embarrassed to discuss stuff with you either so uh, now, just because I did, I typed in internet safety this morning on Google search and clicked on the news items and there was a detective from the Weber County Sheriff's Office, uh, Detective Dustin Stewart in Utah, who stated in the news that parents should start by knowing the top four apps to be that they should be monitoring. He said they were Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Agree or disagree with that one? I, I agree with that, yeah. I yeah. think those are the most popular at the moment. They're... Uh I mean, it's always changing. I think that, uh, you know, NetSafe has got the TikTok, uh, you know, family toolkit. Um, you know, these these devices or these apps are there. They will, they will, you know, they will be replaced by something else at mm-hmm. some point or they will evolve into something bigger. But, yeah, it's good to be aware. You cannot keep up with all of them. But for the, another example would be something like Discord, which is like social media for, for gamers. And, of course, so Discord also holds content holds um, servers where people are actually exchanging information that has nothing to do with gaming as well. It's just sort of niche interest groups. So I think it is. it does pay to stay up to date with the most popular apps and fun, but trying to have conversations with young people about what those apps are out of curiosity rather than suspicion is the best way to stay one step ahead because again, if you go down the road of, well, I'm going to ban you from that app, uh, typically they'll just either do it in secret Yep. anyway or they'll just find something else that does it so yeah. they find they find a loophole oh yeah yeah <laughs> Laurie's big thing was um, she said like one of the things that she gives out information as a police officer is um, let's look into that app together we'll have a discussion about it and if you get that app I don't mind you having that app as long as it's sort of legal and you're the right age um, but I'm going to be on that account uh, so I'll get to see everything that you post as well um, which I guess is some good advice um, like for TikTok for instance I said to her you know I know lots of parents who still just think that that's a harmless um, dance video sort of platform that they go to they've got no idea about the settings or the fact that their children's um, videos can be viewed by millions of viewers and mm. that type of stuff so do you think it's a good thing to sort of say to your kids to place place some Limitations. I mean, I know that you guys at NetSafe do like di- digital citizenship. Um, do you think it's a good idea to place some limitations on it and say to the kids, "Hey, like, I don't have any problems with you getting the app, but if you get in the app, then just be aware that I'm going to be one of your followers." Mm. Do you agree with that, or you don't? Yeah. Agree? Well, look, it really depends on the age. I mean, I think uh, because I guess you're getting into if, if it's their first entry point into an app or a game, then it's like, well, what age is that? Now, the the magic number or the one that is that is a guide because it's not a it's not no. a, it's not a law here in New Zealand. We can't enforce the age thirteen as yeah. a, most most social media apps games. It's thirteen. Now it varies a little bit, but I, I don't think that that should be your your guardrail because kids are very used to lying about their age online. Mm-hmm. Number one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more about like if you want to have this app, for example, if you want to get into Minecraft and you want to build Minecraft structures with people online. Then to start off with, you actually need you actually need I need to know who those other people are, mm-hmm. and it's probably their kids that are at your school in your class or live on the street. That's fine. I just want to know who they are. What are their usernames? Let's start there. Start off with these when you're in these online environments and it's got a social media component, a connection component. You want to connect with them. Uh, 
or that they can connect with each other, you want to make sure that you are aware as a parent who those other kids are mm -hmm. who are interacting. Now, as they get a bit older, that's harder to manage. But the whole idea is that kids should learn the platform and enjoy it with people they know first, and then they can open the network up. What happens, of course, is that many kids jump in the deep end. I love this app. I love this game. Yeah. But then they end up interacting with strangers right away. So, uh, look, I think that that would be my general advice that I give to parents, that we give to parents, is that work alongside your 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 children learn the app you're alongside with them as as you mentioned learn about it vet it with them and actually just start small you don't need to open up the game I and mean, one of the challenges that i found with gaming for example is that my boys we had an xbox you know we played nhl yeah, yeah, ice yeah, hockey yeah. on an yeah. xbox it was limited to a disc yeah we didn't go on the internet we didn't need to yeah now of course that's quite unusual to not go on the yeah. internet while you're playing a game even if it's a console so i think we just have to be able to pull a little bit more of that back as parents and guardians and teachers and say hey this game you want to play this app you want to interact in okay i understand why you want to do it that's that's fine but let's let's start small yeah as far as how we connect with everybody else who's interested in playing do yeah. you think most parents are really naive when it comes to their kids and the internet Oh boy! I'm saying in New Zealand generally, because I, I I think probably you and I have both encountered parents who have got no idea what apps their kids have got on their phones or their devices. They've got no idea about um, what those apps actually do. Yeah. Um, and like most people I speak to, I always say to them, "Did you read the terms and conditions?" And they're like, "I oh, know, just tick the box." <laughs> Who's and we, read terms? Yeah, yeah, conditions? yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we just got into it, and I'm like, yeah. and I fully understand that nobody yeah. wants to read six pages no. of legalese. No. But well, no, and that's the you know it's it's interesting. I'll, I'll never forget my one of the conversation I had with with a primary school student who said to me when we were talking about terms and conditions, we were looking at a site called Terms of Terms and Conditions Didn't Read. Mm -hmm. It's a website that kind of rated all of the. Uh, many of the common platforms and basically said how how transparent are they being about your personal information you know how much of your data is being sold etc um, and this this student said to me Mr. Cowie why do they make it so hard to follow the rules <laughs> and I just thought that's that's it that's yeah, absolutely pretty much, it it's yeah. pretty much that unless you're you know unless you're legalese you're it's all about what text can I put together that's going to keep that's basically going to cover our ass yeah, yeah as an organization so do not look at that as as any kind of guidance around how you should be how you should be interacting with that app or that platform with your child what is better is most and, and virtually all of these platforms will have parent toolkits guides community guidelines go there um, the problem with those is that they're just not as advertised as everything else. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not like TikTok or the apps on the Apple Store are suddenly like trumpeting out their safety features. It's just not done. Yeah. So it's not a sexy thing. No. Yeah. Right? So, but it's there. They are there. And I think for us at NetSafe, we're trying to, you know, sort of let that create a tide that lifts all boats, which means that all the safety features and all of the things that you can access are are visible or just more visible and becomes the norm you just we just we got to tap the brakes here yeah just because we can connect and sign up really quickly doesn't mean we should just like rush through how we consider the impact of this whole app not wrong um yeah. in new zealand if like, let's say for instance if we released a brand new app uh called abc um and you went that text tech savvy where would be the best places to go to get some advice on that app or maybe an issue that you're having. So let's maybe say it was exploitation or some cyberbullying or something else like that. Um, and you wanted some information on 
that or what your kids are doing? Mm. Where's the best place to go? I mean, obviously NetSafe. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, and and for us, I mean, we do have some. We do we do look at and, and and vet some of these apps, but of course, we can't keep up with it. No. And then we create things like the TikTok. Um, family you know the tiktok guide yeah for families that's helpful but i would say at ground level if you're really not sure and you hear about this you know the classification office games movies content goes through that goes through uh the classification office so you can sometimes find information there uh if it's a web-based game it might be a little bit more ephemeral and harder to track but generally the classification office will have some uh will have had eyes on it in some way shape or form the other one which is quite common is is common sense media uh common sense media is actually an american-based platform and they will they often rate games movies apps and that kind of thing and they sometimes and they break it down into you know how many swear words how many mentions of you know is there any pornography or or or, um you know nude images or things like that so uh Common Sense Media is probably the most accessible because they seem to have a pretty big team of people who yeah. try to keep up to date with the most recent. But if it's a brand new app, uh, then it's uh, you're probably going to have to try to pick a little bit from each. Yeah, and let, let's be honest, developers will still have it in like a beta version or something else. Oh, yeah. So they're tweaking stuff behind the scenes and right. getting their algorithms right. They're so. seeing how many eyes are on screen and what the response is as well. Exactly so. right. Um, one of the themes for Safer Internet Day is making the internet a better place. Like I said to Laurie, I, I said to her, if I made you the queen of the internet, what were some of the things that you'd do to make the internet a better place? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make you king of the internet for a day. How do we make the internet a better place? I think we just have to connect the community values that we share to the platforms we are engaging in online. So, for example, instead of relying on the platforms to come up with compliant you know, terms mm-hmm. and conditions, etc., or even community standards or guidelines, let's get kids, let's get young people uh, at the front front and center with uh, with coming up with community norms. So you might, and then you might reward young people with uh, some kind of a badge or something, or some incentive, gamify it, you know, like mm-hmm. this student has been online in these games for the last, you know, five years, but they've earned these badges, which, which uh, shows that they're being proactive and pro-social with the technology. So I, it would just be about aligning and strengthening community uh, norms online. Yeah. yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely yeah. does, yeah. yeah. Do you think we should be worried about the safety or the future of the internet? Because Arthur C. Clarke wrote a book called The View from Serendipity in the 70s, and he spoke about satellite TV and satellite communication, and he said, basically, what will happen is when that... Uh, happens and you get worldwide communication happening in nanoseconds you're basically going to lose censorship forever and I guess we've kind of seen that on the internet now you can see um, news items for instance that uh, previously would have been censored by state broadcasters or broadcasters and now they're just sort of there you can go on YouTube and look at them so do you think we should be worried about the future of the internet or do you think it's actually got it'll get better as those users like your kids are coming through you know the, the very first sort of uh, kids that were there at the beginning with the iPad, do you think they'll actually improve it and make make things better? I, I think it's going to depend. I think we will see we will see communities that are we'll see probably see, there's already different tiers of the internet. There's obviously the dark web and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of people just know about that in an abstract sense and some people know about it in a much more detailed way. But I think you're just going to see it's just going to be very much like bands of different 
levels of compliance, behavior, safety, uh, and I'm, you know, hopefully we'll have the ability to to create, you know, if, for example, that you've got connections between schools, school groups, learning that we can at least create behavior that that cuts across all communities that is is consistent with the values of the school, consistent with the values of just the values of our community and so i think we're going to see i think we're going to see a real variety there uh and i think but we have to make sure that it's open and that we have to involve everybody around the table to discuss it because if we start censoring Uh full stop then we push people into corners on the internet we've already got that we don't need to censor people anymore we actually need you know the whole sunlight is the best disinfectant you know we need to yeah so that 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 would that's a that's a broad response to that uh, that question but i i just think we're going to see we're going to continue to see a real mixed bag do you think bigger deep trends have got a much bigger part to play with this than what they've previously been doing i mean like you've seen for instance in the uk you've had the the their equivalent to the children's advocate or commissioner come out and say actually we're going to start having a look at some of these companies and what they're doing with children's information um and the fact that like we've said before you know a lot of the kids there are underage and something so do you think uh that discussion those big tech companies obviously need to be there but do you think those big tech companies need to play a bigger part in promoting days like say for internet day and internet safety rather than just sort of coming up every now and then and saying hey here's our quarterly returns and we've just got 105 billion dollars profit absolutely i look i think regulating big tech uh is is going to be it's going to be messy but i think Mm -hmm. it needs to happen in some way shape or form there's just too much you know like you know as you said earlier like the pandora's box has well and truly been opened and it's just that and, and and we've been able to get access to stuff content for free and that has just the allure of that has just you know meant that the internet is just still the wild west so i think that yes we need to hold big tech uh and well and just just tech full stop uh more accountable uh but i just think that you know the ability to have more partnerships uh and discussions about you know like having a focus group around you know if you want to use social media in your school for example one of one of the um, items that we're working on uh for latter half of next year is like a social media one-on-one course for, mm-hmm. for teachers short oh course. yeah cool Yep. Which is really just about how can you use social media in a way that's that is safe and respectful and professional when everybody's connected. You know, for example, you know, teachers that friend the parents of their students, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's not a lot of guidance around how we should use social media in nice. those courses. So obviously, some teachers are using it exceptionally well and they they harness it for good, but there are always the risks. And I think what we just have to do is try to create more opportunities for partnerships where we're being much more deliberate about. Um, about how we want to how we want to behave in these environments. Mm. Uh, now, one of the things for Safe Internet Day 2022 is respect. Now, what does respect look like to you in a digital space? And uh, before we actually started recording, we spoke about we're both Joe Rogan fans, and we're also both Neil Young fans as well, right? So, there's a good example. You've got two guys, different ends of the spectrum. Uh, we've got they probably we know that they've got big PR teams behind them and they're mm. sniping at one another and they're continuing to go on and everything else and I read a commentary a wee while ago that said you know what it's actually okay to agree to disagree 
on the internet and just go actually you know what Andrew that's that's your viewpoint this is mine we're all good it's kind of like having an argument around a dinner table with some of your relatives it's just that the dinner table is a lot bigger in scope um, mm. so what does respect look like to you when you think about the internet how would you make respect or how would you create respect on the internet because let's be honest some people really get it and others they don't they just keep poking the bear with the sticks to use yeah. a Canadian term yeah <laughs> yeah look I think you know trying to take the uh, the heat out of uh, an argument is you know you just you know and that's what we say to, we, what we say to kids and what we should say to adults you know like like talk about the issue don't don't make it personal yeah uh, talk about uh, you know this is from what I've seen here is here is my understanding based on the, the based on what I've read based on what I understand but being willing to change your mind like if you say something out like if you have an opinion that stays in your head and you don't say it but as soon as you say it or type it or tweet it or whatever you should expect that your view is going to be challenged you yeah. should expect that yeah. and don't be so precious that and so fixed to your idea like think about your I think it was Adam Grant who wrote a really great book called Think Again but he's an organizational psychologist and he talks <laughs> about the idea that you know you should think about your ideas you know like I think it was him that said you know you're sort of changing clothes you don't wear a tweed jacket and that's this is me yeah. I'm the tweed jacket and this yeah, yeah. is my style and I'm fixed you know you should be prepared to have different doesn't mean that you're that you let you know that you're super liberal and and you're just open your 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 brain your mind so open that your brain falls out and mm-hmm. not that but it's yeah. just that be prepared to be challenged about your view and if you pressure test your view uh, then that is going to strengthen your argument. So if you defend yourself to somebody and realize, you know what, actually, when I talk about it like that, I actually realize that I, I actually don't really know if it stands up completely. Yeah. But you don't know that until you get a bit of pushback. So it's just a case of how do you push back with respect? And that is just you stay focused on the issue. You, you avoid... You avoid the personal attacks. All the personal attacks do is, it's just like scratching a sandfly bite, you know? Yeah. Like you might, oh, that feels good right now. Yeah, yeah, Later, yeah, you, yeah. it burns. Yeah, yeah. not wrong. <laughs> so. and, and the thing that I think lots of people don't realize as well is that if you tweet something out or you post something or you put a picture up there, it's there forever. So like in 40 years' time, you know, let's go and see what Andrew Cowie had to say about that. Oh, hang on, he said this. And it's like, that was 40 years ago. It's like, yeah, you've yeah. you got to be aware it's there forever. What That's do right. you do personally to unplug from the internet? Because I'm guessing you're like me. Uh, eventually, at some stage, you're like, okay, I've had enough of Twitter. Um, I'm not doing Insta or anything else today. I'm, I'm just going to go and do something. So for me, it's I go and get the... <laughs> The, the living bejesus choked out of me at jiu-jitsu it's a bit hard to try and message somebody off my phone there but what, yeah. what do you do to unplug yeah look get, getting out and getting out into nature um, getting out into the wild getting just unplugging uh, short-circuiting that need to just constantly be checking checking the phone in yeah. you know and I think a lot of people would probably agree like sometimes you're checking your phone and there's not even a, an alert you sometimes you're just you're just it's like a visceral yeah, you're you're you've been so conditioned to just look at your device, like it's got a magnet. Like even while we're doing this interview, I'm thinking, gee, I wonder wonder what my phone's doing right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, you know, and really, like, yeah, it's and and it's it's just part of the way we work. So there's that side of it, but it's also when you're on your personal time, you got to be able to unplug. You got to be able to, and if you can unplug, then it's about turning off the notifications. For me, it's keeping the phone out of the bedroom. That's yeah. a big one, uh, and it's making sure that when I'm going to bed or I'm trying to disconnect from the day, I'm looking at a 
at a book at a page hey, yep. in a darkened room and I'm not getting flooded with blue light and I'm that, so I, look I do a few things but that those would be the two would be getting out into nature disconnecting and then when I do have my device I turn off notifications and I limit the amount of time that a screen is in my bedroom right so lots of parents always say to me and I'm going to ask you where are some of the places that I shouldn't have uh, devices or anything else and I'm like maybe in your bedroom like uh, that's mm. for everybody because again it affects the circadian rhythm and everything else if you if you subscribe to that train of thought um, I'm always like around the dinner table uh, I heard a good friend Lucian from Google talk about this and he's like their uh, education specialist he's like I don't have devices around the dinner table um, but how many times do we all get caught as parents just sort of checking on something so um, is there anywhere else that you think that devices or the internet shouldn't go if you're with me and you're in the Look, I think that both of those are a uh, good place to start. I think for young people, of course, this there's nuances to this because we're in we're, we, we've been in lockdown, lockdown situations yeah. where kids haven't had any other choice but to go to their bedrooms in some cases. But I think ideally, especially if they're in primary school, the devices just should not be in their bedrooms. Yeah, full stop. I really believe that. Uh, and then when it's time for bed, I think that even that teenagers should get used to if they can, and again, it depends on the age, that they are charging their phone in a central location somewhere in somewhere in the house, not in their bedroom. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't do that, then ask them, get them to turn off notifications. I mean, I remember one time lying in bed and hearing my son's phone pinging away at yeah. three in the morning. And it was only because he had, he had Snapchat turned on. Now he was fast asleep and he hadn't been disrupted. But I thought, well, that's just tonight. How many nights is he disrupted by this constant interruption of, of notifications and alerts? So I think you just have to control the way you are paying attention not wrong now one of the questions I asked Laurie was research continues to provide some answers on how parents are navigating the world just for today for example and we're talking last week there was a new study that looked at nearly 2,000 parents who have kids aged 8 to 18 amongst the most surprising figures were is that it's the people the kids who spend on average 9 hours and 22 minutes of their day in front of a screen and 78% of those told researchers that they are modelling good media habits to their kids. Um, some suggested setting aside certain times where everybody can put down their devices, the dinner tables, etc. How, in your opinion, should adults be good role models for their kids uh, when it comes to devices and internet use? I mean, look, let's be honest, if my mum or my dad had turned around to me and said, come on, we're all going for a walk in nature, I would have run a thousand miles, I was too busy playing sports. But mm. what's some of the ways that we can actually promote as a good role model as, a, as an old adult or a, a parent do you think yeah I think well look I think finding you know finding opportunities to actually talk about what's happening online for your child mm-hmm. while you're in an offline space now online offline is very much an adult way of describing the world because because <laughs> yeah. our kids don't see it that way and many adults don't either but uh but I think the ability to be able to, hey, what did you, what was something interesting that happened online today? What was something interesting that happened in that app or on that space? Was there anything that interested you or that surprised you? What, did anything make you uncomfortable? So starting with positive questions about, hey, what went well today? And then adding at the end, you know, what are some things that you would like to change or made you feel uncomfortable or uneasy about something you saw? Trying to have those conversations uh, as as though they're as much a part of the conversation as how was your trip to the, you know, out, you know, out to the water park or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like talk about the internet 
like deprivatize the internet as much as you can. Yes. And you know, and the kids are, and of course, most kids, lots of kids, especially teenagers, are not going to tell you everything. They no. will, yeah. They're worried that the device will get taken away. But I just think the way you can talk about normalizing conversations about the internet is a great way to just build bridges, and it it just takes it takes away the culture of secrecy i think a lot of our kids have become very used to uh yeah yeah exactly yeah. and like you say they'll they'll discuss stuff or you'll be talking i'll talk to my nephew about stuff and he's like yeah i saw this on the internet the other day and he'll talk to me about sites he's visited and yep. everything else which isn't a bad yep. thing now just to make the internet actually appear like a nice place because let's be honest it is actually a great thing it's an amazing thing um like laurie and i said and um you're probably about the same age group you know you can probably like us remember going to the library and looking at the microfish and the sets of impedance <laughs> Encyclopedias that your mum and dad had to like spend six months with of looking up naughty words. Yeah, yeah, exactly, all that type of stuff. And kids today, um, people today, don't have to do that. What are some of the good things about the internet, in your opinion? Well, I think it's finding finding your tribe, as I mentioned earlier, finding the people that you have an interest in, whether you're interested in jazz or you know record collecting or or kite flying or golf or whatever. I mean, you you find you find your people, yeah. Uh, and the on and online the internet facilitates that incredibly well. I mean, in fact, I I don't think anybody wants to put the genie back in the bottle. I think everyone no. knows that that this is something that you know we can. There are the advantages of the internet far outweigh the the disadvantages. The problem is, is that it's a bit like the the, the, the cockroach in the salad. You have a beautiful salad, yeah, it's delicious and yeah. and and and, and uh, healthy, etc. But you see a cockroach pop up in the middle of it. Suddenly, that salad is no longer like it's it's the negativity bias, and yeah. that's the reason why the internet and the media and everything get we we spotlight the negative stuff, and it is there, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to make sure we navigate through it and around it etc but but the ability to be able to build communities to connect with people when we are especially with lockdown and covid i mean all that has been you know where would we have been you know oh, this, yeah. i mean the spanish flu they didn't you know <laughs> nothing pigeon yep. carrier maybe yep. yeah, or exactly. mail, you know yep. so we're you know we're incredibly lucky that way so i just think we have to remember that we have so many ways that we connect with people for good online and that should still be something we keep at the top of mind and look, like I said to Laurie, you know, 25 years ago, I'd come and seen you when you were living in Calgary and said to you, hey, uh, here's a really cool thing, Andrew. So in the future, you're going to be able to watch the Calgary Flames in New Zealand uh, using your phone, which will broadcast a signal to the TV, mm. and then it will be on your like 52-inch television screen. You would have looked at me like I was talking about something from Star Trek, but hey, look, it's there, so yeah. that's all good. Yeah. Um, what's five quick tips for parents to make things just a little bit safer for their kids on the internet that you would recommend without hesitation well again I, and we've talked about some yeah. of it already but it's like you know keep devices out of the bedrooms mm-hmm. as much as possible uh, when they sign up for social media gaming accounts uh, make sure that they switch their profile t- to private most of these are public by default so mm-hmm. go to pri- private settings uh, so that might mean sitting alongside with your child and look at the privacy settings all right um, come up with a, a three-step plan at home that if you see something online that is that is hurtful and upsetting that is directed towards you what do you need to do yeah right? what are the things you need to do talk about that sort of an action plan with the family uh, the other one would be to uh, make sure that you are responding uh, with 
positively to, uh, to to comments like go out of your way to to be a force for good on the internet. So if you're commenting on a Discord or some 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 uh, piece of media or some content. T- take take a you know like a, be assertive in being positive rather than just reacting mm-hmm. all the time, and I think the other one is just to you know learn what you know learn about the games alongside family members, learn about these platforms together, uh, so it, you're deprivatizing them, and so that everyone's a little bit more aware. The more aware you are, the more of a vocabulary you can have, and the more likely it's more likely that if something goes wrong that your child's going to talk to you about that. All right. Okay, now, two, two last questions for you. First mm-hmm. is, in 10 years' time, what does the internet look like, in your opinion? Because I've heard all sorts of theories from, you know, we're not going to be using screens, it'll all be glasses, and basically, mm-hmm. what does it look like to you, if I said to you, best guess? Well, I think we're at a crossroads. I think we're going to get, we will very much get... Uh, um, almost like singularity you know where you've got the where the internet of all things is just it's just it's ever present it's mm-hmm. just integrated so much into how we how we shop how we move how we how we interact how we exercise everything mm-hmm. uh, so I think I think we will see some people who will be on that top tier and who are enjoying that that ecosystem and it'll be seamless and it'll it'll be like meta has said right like it'll just be this yeah this VR place that becomes indistinguishable from reality that worries me a little bit so i think that you know there will be another group i think who uh or another i guess um representation in society who i think and i hope these are our leaders and our educators i hope who are saying let's let's just talk about the ethics and how we can find a middle road here we don't just because we can access just because we can do all these things with augmented reality with a you know with ai everything like that let's let's make sure we have more discussions about should we rather than can we mm. and i think so i just think uh, to me i feel like the jury's still out on that because i think that you're going to already always get the uh, early adopters that rush ahead it's just whether or not how much those early adopters have influence on policy and the way we work and how yep. much it trickles down so didn't really answer your question there, but I oh, think. No, you but I think yeah. I, to me, I feel like we're just we're at a crossroads right now. And I think, look, if 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 the pandemic or if we are socially restricted more, I think that will there will be a greater probability that we will go further down the rabbit hole of of, of augmented reality, virtual reality. I, I really do. Yeah. But I think if we, I think we're going to emerge out the other side of this and realize that we need balance. We need to stay connected to our natural world. Um, I think you'll see much more, much more nuance, and just an appreciation for what really matters. That these tools are amazing, but let's not move at the pace that big tech says we should. Yeah. Let's move at a pace that suits our community. Let's understand it. And I think that's what scares people: is that the speed of change is so great. Communities need time to catch up, and we should not feel like big tech is setting the pace. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. to be fair, yeah. that's my biggest worry as a human, yeah. uh, not as a police officer, as a, as a human, is that we all speed off and do something, and then we kind of lose the basic skills. So yeah. I've heard of friends of mine in the military with um, recruits joining and not being able to find north on a compass because they don't have their digitised watch that tells them how to do it. Or, you know, there's an incident, and they're like, oh, just check on the internet. And it's like, well, actually, you haven't got any power. So yeah, yeah, we, just, we, we're one solar flare away from uh, total total. total <laughs> 
total disaster. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Uh, okay, right. So if you're an educator or a parent um, or you're just interested, uh, I know that you come out and you do your school talks, you do your staff training for um, schools and educators and everything else. What's the best way to get hold of the NetSafe team and get them to either come and facilitate a course at your school or your educational facility? Um, w- how do we go about that? Okay, well, there's two two things we're, we're working on right now. So, Well, three, actually. So one is that uh, workshops and presentations we are delivering to schools, uh, parents, FANA, um, and senior leadership teams. Mm-hmm. That is available through our website under workshops, presentations. We can deliver those in person. We can deliver them virtually. So given that there are all kinds of restrictions and un- uneasiness with that, we have the ability to deliver this kind of yep. these kinds of workshops online. So that's, that's one. Number two is there are a series of student modules which range from digital citizenship, privacy, privacy and your digital footprint, uh, managing online harm, media literacy. These are all being fleshed out right now as deliverable content to students. Now, we're pivoting now to supporting students more directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the moment, we are transitioning. We're piloting these. So, again, we wanted to pilot them much earlier, but we weren't yeah. able to get into school. Yeah. So that's one thing where we hope that if, if, you're, if you're interested in getting your students involved and being uh, part of this pilot group, again, COVID permitting, we would love to come and work with you. Uh, and the other one is this: the NetSafe Schools website, which is it's just getting a revamp right now, and that's all about teachers and school leaders and parents being able to go online, download content resources to help them manage and navigate the spaces that we're in. So those are the three big things that we're working on right now. Perfect. Uh, and on that note, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know that you've got some uh, facilitation to do later on this afternoon and that you're extremely busy. Always a pleasure to chat Calgary Flames hockey with you, but more importantly, um, the internet, because I think it's such a huge space and so many people worry about it. I'm not going to say unnecessarily, but they, they, like you say, there's more fear than there, there, than there is positivity. And I think it should actually be the other way around, um, positivity, and then worry about the, the, the dark corners of the street, so to speak, because it's not such a bad place. When you look at some of the things that have been achieved on the internet, uh, and I'd say this, and I know that you'll completely understand it, it makes me wonder if somebody like Terry, Terrence Stanley Fox was in the world and the internet was around, how much more money he would raise. Um, so, yes, I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks for listening. But please, do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Coppuccino podcast. Real people, real stories.